Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth <laughs> and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my dear partner, Hari. This is episode 38. We are continuing on our conversation about Canada Goose. Uh, in this episode, we are talking about the financial health of the company, the management, and ultimately the valuation. Is this company cheap or expensive relative to its intrinsic value? We'll talk about these in this episode. In the previous episode, if you haven't checked it out, please go check it out. We talk about Canada Goose, their business, their competitive advantage, uh, their moat, etc. So check that out, episode 37. Okay, uh, again, disclaimer. We want to give you the disclaimer here. You know, we're not trying to we're not trying to say that this is a buy or this is a sell. What we're trying to do with this podcast and this platform that we have here is to uh, go through this exercise of analyzing companies with you, and uh, so that you know we get better at analyzing companies, but also you understand that these are the types of process that we go through. So ultimately, this is really an educational entertainment platform. You know, we're trying to, we're not trying to give you financial advice here. And what I would say is that this decision-making process is basically what every value investor does in some form or fashion. They may have different checklists or different things, but ultimately, you're trying to look at the business from a top-down and bottom-up kind of view, which is what we do. So when you build that framework out, <clears throat> you'll be successful at following a you know the same procedure because i can't emphasize that enough if you if you don't follow the same process every time then you skip steps that's where you start making mistakes mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that with a checklist you won't make a mistake but it really is important that you at least have a framework um and and you know an investment thesis when you you go in because when times get tough you can always look back to that investment thesis yeah and again, uh, we're going through a checklist, uh, value investor checklist that uh, that we've created. So if you don't have it with you, please go ahead and, and email us at info at valueinvestor.org. We'd be happy to share our checklist with you. Okay, let's just dive right into this. Yeah. Um, so we left off at the we left off in the last episode at the uh, relationships, and one of the questions that we didn't answer is is uh, return on equity, return on capital employed. Yep. So can does does the can they sustain growth without without putting much into uh, the business? And what does the return on equity look like in that aspect? So if you look at the return on equity number from 2016 to 2018, they have been significantly improved. Yep. So for example, in 2016, they were at 18 percent return on equity. 2017, it was 14. It kind of went down. In 2018, it just shot up to 39. So that kind of speaks to, I think, the underlying reason why this is happening is because, you know, they're, like like we said in the previous episode, they're really switching their channel mix to direct-to-consumer, which is higher margin, which leads to better return on equity. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this throughout the podcast. <clears throat> we don't care about revenue. We care about how much money you keep. It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, right? So this number, the return on equity, directly ties into how much the how much you keep part of it, right? So the management understood that with the direct-to-consumer model, they would be more profitable 
for every dollar of sales. And that's why you're seeing these numbers go up. Mm -hmm. As they move to a direct-to-consumer, they're making more money off of every dollar that they invest mm -hmm. in the business. Yeah. As an investor, that's how you should be thinking too. Yeah. So I don't think they would shut down the wholesale market completely, but yeah. I think they're going to be... Their heavy emphasis will always be on this direct-to-consumer going yeah. forward. Yeah, so. exactly. I wonder, you know, <clears throat> moving forward and just kind of conjecturing, you know, 2019, 2020 number with direct-consumer, uh, with ever-growing direct-consumer proportion of the revenue, you know, 2019, 2018 number, it might be more impressive than, you know, 39%. So. Yeah, I, I would say that if any time you have a company that says their return on equity is above 30%, and assuming that they don't have a whole lot of uh, financial leverage, which they don't, um, you should you should take a look, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, that should be a um, something to focus on when you hear that number. Mm -hmm. So I I would I would ha highly recommend, you know, paying attention to this number because it really matters. Right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about. I think that's a nice segue into the financial health. Do yeah. they have enough cash? So in September 2018, this is the last report that they came out with the quarterly report. If you look at their balance sheet, you know they have cash, the, just straight up cash, 32 million. Uh, total current asset, 406 million. Again, this has inventory in there, so um, keep that in mind. And current liability, total current liability, uh, 103 million. So when you compare cash and total liability, it's not, you know, it's not. It's not overwhelming, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, another thing that we need to point out is, you know, they, they're generating enough cash from the operation to finance uh, growth activities. And so they don't really have to tap into, um, you know, debt uh, to, right. to grow because they're generating enough cash to put it back into the business. So, And also, if in case they are in cash crunch, they have a revolving facility of remaining revolving facility. They've been tapping into revolving facility for some time, but the remaining revolving facility of about hundred dollars, ninety-seven million, um, hundred million, I, I should say, ninety-seven million. It is it is available for that for that for that use. So, yep. um, in terms of financial health, I think they're in good condition. Right. Anything to add there? Yeah, I, I, I not, no red flags here. So okay. this to me is not a. Like they don't have a giant cash balance that really affects their valuation, mm -hmm. but they don't have a lot of debt either, mm -hmm. and seemingly are generating enough cash. Um, what'll be interesting is how, you know, are they able to? Are they going to consume all of that? You know, as they move into China and as they expand operations in East Asia and mm -hmm. the rest of the world, how how much will that consume? Because I don't think, you know, Skechers will open up hundreds of stores in a country. Um, these guys won't do that. You know, they'll open up maybe a three or four exactly. in a, you know, in a place like China. So how much money will it cost them to start and how much will be ongoing, you know, kind of expenses. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in terms of financial health, I think we are in agreement that, you know, they are in good condition financially. Yep. Uh, so moving on to the next bullet point, which is management, which I think is quite interesting. Let's first talk about the share structure and then we can go into this. Yeah. This uh, Bain topic here. So the the share structure they have two, dual share structure, it's kind of sim similar to Skechers. Right. Um, so dual straight uh, dual dual class structure. One is called multiple voting share. So yeah. for one share they have ten voting rights. Right. And for and the other kind of share is called subordinate voting share, which is just one vote 
uh, per share. And that's what what the subordinate one is. What trades on the stock market? Yeah. So this is the common the common share, and what's interesting about this company is that Bain and Bain Capital, which is you know, private equity slash venture capital arm of Bain kind of Bain brand. They have Bain and Company, which is the consulting arm. Bain and Capital, which is the private equity slash venture capital arm. They so Bain and CEO the the CEO of Grey Goose they own collectively ninety five percent of the voting voting rights. And so if you break that down in more detail, in total Bain Capital has sixty four percent of voting rights. So they can really effectively do whatever the hell they want yeah. with the company. And CEO has thirty one percent of the voting right. So when we talk about you know majority, they you know they Bain Capital has has majority, so it can kind yeah. of sway the sway the votes left and right. Bain Bain Capital is effectively owns the company, yeah. right? Because they they have control over the business. Mm-hmm. So, um, in a, in essence, you are a subordinate to Bain Capital. Yeah. So, and which is different from what we had talked about last week with Skechers, in that, um. The CEO controlled the company in Skechers. Yep. This, in this uh, instance, a third party actually controls it. And yep. so, um, w- where this is a problem to me mm-hmm. is um, that when the CEO doesn't own the company, the the third party management company may have different um, incentives incentives to yeah. you know to push growth at any cost because it raises the share price and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not necessarily that they would do that. They're, and, you know, because they have a controlling interest, they want to also maintain a longer-term approach. But a lot of private equity firms function differently than, you know, their their job is to essentially return money back to their uh, limited partners, yep. right? And so they will try and pump up the price and then sell, mm-hmm. right? And so this was the, what, you know, people colloquially called the vulture capital model which is essentially you buy up a company sell off the assets they're clearly not doing that here Mm -hmm. and i don't see you know they don't always do that Mm -hmm. Um, and for the most part you know these kind of companies offer some value but uh you know they they typically leverage up and buy these companies in um and this is what they did with toys r us Mm -hmm. Uh, and you saw toys r us fall apart which was a very profitable business that they put in way too much debt, mm-hmm. Toys R Us hit some rough patches, and then it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if they were just uh, limping along, they you know, or running as a as a business without that kind of influence, they it would be fine. Yeah. So this is a different story because they are growing like crazy. And so what you saw here is when Bain took over, they've pushed this growth story very very heavily. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their financials, that's when they started going nuts with. Yep. Uh, you know, sales and, you know, yep. uh, wholesale went to d- direct to consumer. So this to me is a, is not a, like a hard pass kind of red flag, mm-hmm. but it's certainly a yellow flag mm-hmm. kind of thing that I would be very cautious about. Third party companies kind of can do, since they have voting control, they can do whatever they want with the CEO running the business. Or if it was the founder who owned, you know, voting control be less, inclined to see them try and do that because one it's a personal thing that they own this they want to see that succeed yeah <clears throat> it's their personal image bain has hundreds of other investments and they will happily sacrifice one if it means more money for another yeah right so i i don't know that that's you know you can 
you can look at the incentives cleanly in this scenario because they have incentives that are under um well that are hidden it's from, clouded yeah that are hidden from you yeah so it's interesting if you look at the bane so bane management um if you look at the 10k they talk about this quite extensively the management agreement is another thing that was interesting when they bought the company in 20 when they bought great uh canada goose in 2013 they went into the Canada Goose and Bank Capital went into this agreement. It's called management agreement. What it was is Canada Goose was to pay quarterly fee equal to four tenths of one percent, so 0.4 percent of total revenue generated during the calendar quarter to Bain and Company. Bain and Company manage. So this is a management arm of Bain. Like yep. we said earlier, Bain Capital and Bain, um, Bain, uh, Bain and Company, two different companies, but under still. You know, same Bain brand. So, which is kind of interesting. You buy the company and you give all the all the consulting fees to your cousin right next door. This is this is what's happening here. Now, now to be fair, this is not illegal. Yeah, Bain could literally walk in and say, "All of the cash on your balance sheet, you give it to me." Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they they own it, own the business, right. so they have the ability to to do whatever they want yeah. with the cash. Yeah. Right, because it's their cash. Um, but still, I mean, what's stopping them from raising that fee to yeah. whatever they want? Or now, they, obviously, they have an incentive to see Canada Goose grow because they'll make more money if it grows. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, please don't take this as like you know, never touch any of these kind of companies. Mm-hmm. You just have to be more mindful of what what is their incentive. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, kind of going back to the management agreement here, um, you know, m- giving basically giving the business to your cousin. Uh, in 2017, with the IPO, they terminated the agreement. So it's interesting. So they, they said, okay, we'll give you your cousin. We'll give your cousin $9.6 million lump sum, and then let's just terminate the contract. Let's just terminate this giving money to the cousin thing. Yeah. And so with the IPO, they canceled the agreement um, with, that, with that amount. So no longer have to pay that um, going forward, which I think is good because the revenue is going up, you know, 0.4% of the revenue might be quite a lot right. going forward. So, Okay. Uh, in terms of uh, dividend and share buyback, in terms of uh, shareholder-friendly way of managing capital, the, the shrewd way of managing capital, you know, they're, they're not giving out dividend because they're growing so fast, and they're not buying back shares. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, they're also selling shares on the open market, right? Yeah. So if you think about it from the perspective of, the company for their most of their history has been overvalued. Mm-hmm. You know, when they IPO'd, people thought it was the next thing, you know, next hottest thing since, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and so they've carried a price premium, yep. which is, is not necessarily unwarranted given their high return on equity and things like that. Yep. But they've actually sold shares on the open market. Um, and funnily enough, the underwriter actually lost $60 million on the underwriting Canada Goose Secondary offering. Oh, really? In uh, uh, in twenty because they did it twice. Yeah, they, it was late twenty eighteen. So they've lost like a ton of money because there wasn't as not much interest because the price was so high. Hmm. And at the end of twenty eighteen, things kind of collapsed. Oh, yeah, that's right. So hmm. so they weren't able to sell it for what they thought they could. Hmm. But um, if you're if you're selling shares when it's expensive, it's okay because you're you're selling an overvalued asset for money to to then take that money and you know grow your business mm-hmm. 
Um, but I would be careful about that because if you're generating, truly generating the amount of money that you need via cash flow, mm-hmm. I want to see that being used to grow, not selling my equity. Yeah. You know, you've diluted me when you sell that. They had 100 million shares. They have now 110 million shares. I mean, I, I my equity is worth less yeah, now. That much less. Because of that. So Yeah. So interesting. I mean, it's 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 important to keep that in mind, and you're gonna, you're going to see the number of shares grow up. Um, if you look at the income statement, they'll they'll show the total number of shares. Um, yep. At, toward the bottom of the income statement. So make sure to look that it look that up if you're interested in this company. And again, like we talked about, the bank capital owns the majority of the majority of the voting shares. So they have uh, directors at the director board of directors level. They have two people from. Bank bank capital um, on the board, which is uh, which is not uh, not unexpected. Not, not not unexpected. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at the, uh, I, th- I thought this was really interesting. I think I want to take I want to get your take on this. If you look at the compensation package for the CEO, right? The target for the CEO for for Canada Goose is centered around EBIT number. So mm-hmm. if you hit this EBIT, your cash bonus or your stock bonus jumps to, you know, whatever. Right. So what do you think about EBIT as a measurement of performance? That's the best measurement probably mm-hmm. uh, of performance because he can't control the tax rates. He can't control um, the CEO can't control the, um, you know, the the other like interest uh, rates that they're going to pay because they're already set they're th- outside of his control. But what he can control is how much money they make, right? Mm-hmm. And so EBIT is probably the best number uh, to look at. And and yeah. so, you know, if I'm look if I'm trying to set a compensation targets, I would set it at EBIT also. Yeah, but I was thinking like you could you could do EBIT, but also you could load it up with debt and get a great EBIT. Well, so it so you could I I was thinking you would do EBIT and kind of couple it with ROE number or RO, you know, uh, you know, ROIC number or something like that. Well, so the the thing about EBIT because it's not it's before the interest and taxes, you aren't going to really have an ha- have any impact on the debt, f- you know, from the debt side. Yeah. Because what you're you, you're right in that you can you can kind of play with financials. Yeah. Um but what you can't really play with is the the net income side of the things. So what 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 would happen is if you were trying to manipulate these numbers, your revenue is your revenue. It's, it's yeah. it can be manipulated. Don't don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. Um, and then your cost of goods sold. You know, so their gross margin is at seventy five percent. So why they were pushing EBIT is that they're saying we really want you to get the direct to consumer higher. Yeah. Because it improves our operating margins, which is what. Yeah. EBIT is basically the operating margins. Yeah. So they're effectively saying that that's going to translate into higher things. So I I yeah. I think this is the correct metric. Mm. I'm not also opposed to having a return on equity as another yeah. as a target. Yeah. Now, because the only danger with the return on equity is then you can load up on debt. Yeah. And so you'd have to say return on equity with a debt to equity ratio yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, because that, that's one of the things that you talked about with Bain Capital coming in, you know, these private vulture capital coming yeah. in and saying, just load up on debt. And then, you, got, you know, you have great EBIT. You know, for example, yeah, or great, you know, return on equity, right? So to prevent that from happening, um, 
you know, some measure of financial health would probably be beneficial, I right. thought. Um, yeah. But again, something something to uh, keep in mind. Okay. Should we well, move on to the valuation? Yeah, let's uh, let's hit it. Um, so, what? Tell me what your assumptions are. Um, uh, so the growth rate of you know they've been growing at tremendous level, right? Yeah. Um, you know the 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 growth compounding growth uh, runway, compounding growth annual growth rate is forty two percent, starting from twenty sixteen. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be sustainable. It's not going to grow at this level for 10 years. Right. So I just gave it a modest 15% for 10 years, the whole way through. Okay. And then the discount rate of 10%. All right. And what we're doing at the end, we're subtracting out uh, debt, or we were adding or subtracting, depending on your point of view, uh, debt and cash balance. Yeah. Um, And then it kind of gave us a range, right? You know, this is never a precise science. Somewhere between, you know, 28 to kind of 35, you know, range. Uh, yeah, of the... Of share price right. per, per share. Yeah, and so for reference, the share the shares are trading around $50 right now. Yeah. So so we're talking about an intrinsic value of 30 to $35, which means a margin of safety of, you know, 15 to 17 Eighteen dollars a share. Yeah, so we're pretty far off. Far you know, off, yeah. Va- valuation wise, and if yeah. we played with the numbers even a little bit, gave it a twenty-five percent growth rate, um, you know that number can get to forty dollars of intrinsic value. Yeah. But the margin of safety price is never above twenty. Mm. You know, twenty-two without just being way too aggressive. Yeah. And so I I, t- I picked a higher. You know, so he he and I don't actually discuss our valuation before the, the podcast. So we just kind of do it on our own, which is how you should do it also. <laughs> yes. And and then we come and discuss that. And so I think even with a more aggressive, you know, I, I said 25 for the first five years and like 13 for the next mm. six, n- the next five years, so mm. six to 10 years. But I, I, you know, I'm still getting 35, 40 to $40 per share. Mm. And so that what that really tells you is, this is, you know, I, I think we can, first of all, we can safely say that I think this company has a predictable business that yeah. we can understand mm-hmm. um, so that we can we can feel safe to put numbers behind this, mm-hmm. right? I think the growth rates are going to be pretty good going forward. You know, if, if it's even if it's 15% and it's 20%, you still win. Yeah. But you got to have the right price that you're paying for this. And that number is around $15, you know, Fifteen to twenty dollars. Yeah, I would feel comfortable buying this. Anything yeah. above that is, is really stretching it. I mean, you're you're what you're essentially hoping for is, eye watering, growth rates going <laughs> forward, right? Breakneck, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, just to give you an idea, like if we if we, you know, use the current growth rate of of forty forty two percent, right? We're talking about a mar- uh, intrinsic value of. Seventy-six dollars, yeah. right, and and a margin of safety price of thirty-eight dollars, right. So they have to grow at, and they're still expensive, yeah, relative to our margin of safety. Yeah, that's grow at this rate for ten years. Yeah, for ten years. Yeah. So, um, well, I I said forty-two for the first five and fifteen oh, okay. for the next five. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. so it, it's still you know, and and that's now they're entering China, which is which is good. I'm not saying that they can't hit these numbers. 
but they're not going to be growing at China for 40 at 42 percent for 10 years. Right. And even China won't be enough to offset slowdown in like the U.S. and other places where once they've saturated that. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they can do it now. Maybe they expand into different areas, into yeah. different parts of cold weather gear that allows them to to have more yeah. peripheral sales and stuff like that. But all we're saying at this point is, I you can't just assume they're going to hit a forty two percent target, right? I think you can say that a twenty percent number is very high. Is is a lot more reachable. It's reasonable at that. Uh, level. Yeah, you know, is is a conservative number, and yeah. so I would say from a valuation standpoint, it's just too expensive. There's there's no doubt about it. Now, yeah. at twenty dollars a share, I would be very comfortable saying this is an interesting, you know. Uh, investment and I would have to then make the decision of what other investments do I have what is my opportunity cost here right and th- and that's why we can't tell you buy or sell for any business because we don't know what your opportunity cost for other things that you have invested in mm-hmm. right so which is why we would say this may be an interesting company to put on a watch list just like we did with Skechers yeah but at this price it's too expensive yeah it's definitely it definitely belongs in on my watch list yeah I'll say that you know, Canada Goose, for you know, five year, four year history that we have available for us, they're growing. I mean, they're doing everything right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, they're I, doing I, everything I mean, right. I think we can overlook some of the little flaws here and there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Bain Capital thing will sink them. Yeah. Unless things start to get tighter in terms of growth, I think, and in that point, your thesis is different, right? So. What you we are all making the assumption based off of is that there's going to be good sustainable growth and that there's a long runway ahead of them, mm-hmm. right? I think that's that's the fundamentals that we can agree on. Yeah, but I I think the growth rate is has to be very aggressive right now to justify the current price. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, um, so that's it. That's it of uh of of this episode thirty eight of Canada Goose. Do you have any more comments you want to add here before we close out? Um, no. So I think, uh, you know, we'd love to hear your feedback. This is number two yeah. uh, company that we've talked about. Tell us what you think we're doing right. Uh, tell us what you think we're doing wrong. Yep. Um, maybe suggest a company that you'd like us to talk about. Or if you'd like to suggest modifications to our checklist, we're always, um, you know, we're learning as as we go through this. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tell us what you think we can improve upon. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're wide open. Send us any feedback, negative or positive, preferably both. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode, episode thirty-eight. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks.